This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. How's your thought life doing? I hope we're seeing an improvement over this month, because I'm putting in a lot of work to help you. I'm not doing this for myself, just by the way. I am... uh, I'm wanting to help you, and I must say, in the process, I'm helping myself. My thoughts are, are definitely improving. So how's your thought life doing? If we had to do a, a checkup, you know, with the first principle that we've been sharing about, about winning the battle in your thought lives, the first one is check it. So let's do a quick checkup. If you have to evaluate your thoughts over the last week or so, And you have to scale yourself from a zero to a 10. 10 being awesome, super wonderful, faithful, unstoppable, unstoppable joy and peace and, uh, you know, full with light. That's 10. Zero is disastrous, suicidal, negative, hopeless, despairing, no future. Let's go to New Zealand. No, I'm kidding, okay? You might go to New Zealand in any case. Doesn't need to be completely despairing. <clears throat> Where would you uh, put yourself on the scale from zero to ten? So together, just four or five of us. And so I asked the guys, how would you position yourself? And they were like, uh, uh, I think a six. Because it sounds like a safe option. That I might not have a follow-up question if I say six. <laughs> I honestly think that we probably um, think we might be a six or a seven, but we are so used to negatives, we're so used to the wrong thinking processes that you're probably actually a two or a three, but you think you're a six or a seven. You're not even aware how low your thoughts are. Okay, so do that check up. Yeah. I mean, if you go for a physical checkup, you, 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 you'd figure out physically how's it going. You would, I mean, if you're morbidly sick, you will know it. You know, you will feel sorry for yourself and, you know, like, poor me, my body is aching. So you, you'll probably know it. But often we're not aware of our thought lives. We're not aware of the state of our thought lives. So the health in our mindset will ultimately determine the health in our lives. If you think better, you will live better. Now, who wants to live better? Yeah. But it begins here. Begins in your thought life. You need to win the battle in your mind. Okay? So we're focusing on that, and we gave you four keys to figure out, like a game plan for winning the battle in your thought life. Number one is, as we said, check it. Number two, stop it. Number three, Flip it, take the negative and flip it around into something positive, into something good. And then fourthly, strengthen it. Okay, you want to take the truth and you want to make declarations. You want to declare over yourself. You want to lead your heart. You want to renew your mind to think well. Okay, so check it, stop it, flip it, strengthen it. Our thought lives play a bigger role in the quality of our lives than what we think. So how's your thought life? Are you working at it? 
You know, so when you check it on a daily basis, you're supposed to be, uh, you know, evaluate your thoughts, determine how things going, like right through the day, every two, three, four times a day. You want to check, check it. How's your thought life going? But then you want to do a, a, a more in-depth check up. Like say once a week or even every morning, you want to go and you want to evaluate, okay, how, how did yesterday go? How's my thoughts going? Am, am I excited about this day? Because sometimes we start on the wrong foot. You know, they, they're saying, you know, you got out of bed with the wrong foot. I feel like every morning I sort of get out of, out of bed with the wrong foot because it just feels like I need to, I need to focus my thoughts. I need to get excited. You know, so my declaration that I'm saying over and over again is this one verse that says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It means how about starting the day like that? That's getting out of bed with the right foot. Like, yes, this is the day the Lord has made. He's made it for me. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. It's going to be a joyful day. It's going to be an overcoming day. And so about a week ago, so I think it was maybe Monday, Tuesday, I was just like blown away. The amount of peace, the amount of joy that I was experiencing on the inside, I was like, wow. And there's no reason, just I'm beginning to win in my thought life. Okay, so you want to win in your thought life if you want to win in life. Okay, so check it. Get those checkups going evaluate, and then aggressively focus on renewing your mind. Okay, now most of us should know that Christianity is not primarily about a religion. It's about a relationship, right? It's about knowing God intimately. But for many people, it's like knowing a famous actor. Say you're a Tom Cruise fan, started off in the 80s when you watched Top Gun, you still want to fly a jet. And so over the last few decades, you've been following him. You know all of his movies. You can quote all the lines. You look at people's magazine and online. You know what he's doing. And I mean, he's like, I know him. I got a hundred facts about Tom Cruise. He, da, 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 da. I know him. Do you really know him? No, you know about him. But many Christians are like that. They know about God. They know many facts, know that verse, know these things. Heard that story before, listened to enough sermons, but do we know him? And you only really get to know somebody if you live with that person. Like you have supper together, you go for walks on the beach together, you hear the other person's heart, then you get to know. You can say, I, I, I can say, I know Sonica. With me and my wife, I, I, I can just look at her at times, and I know what she's thinking. At a party, she doesn't even need to kick my foot anymore. I know. It's time. Let's go. And then I'm not allowed to say my wife wants to go. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. So I know Sonica. I can see it. Yeah, your husbands, you know it. You're like, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. No, I know there's something wrong. <laughs> but knowing... My wife is, we, we, we spend time together. We are in one another's presence. And it's the same with God. If you want to know God, 
You need to be in His presence. You need to spend time with Him. You can't just know about Him from a distance. You need to hear His heart. You need to walk in His presence. You need to go for a walk on the beach with, the, with God. Okay, and so that's what I want to focus on today. The connection with God. Intimacy with God. Being in His presence. Becoming a habitation and not just having God visit you every now and again. But dwelling with God continuously. Is that possible? Can you and I continuously dwell with God? Or is the best that we can hope for is He visits every now and again. Sunday mornings. The Lord visits. I feel Him. And the next Sunday, I feel His presence again. Is that what it's supposed to be? No. I believe this. There's an invitation for you and me for something so much better. And so I want to help you this morning to shift your mindset so that you can connect with God. There are so many Christians that they just don't feel good enough for God. They, they, in their thought processes, they disconnect from God and they experience shame. They experience guilt. They just like, I'm not good enough. It's like they have this impression. And they might not say it, so I'm going to say it. But instead of God being a loving father, we sometimes think he's that angry, indifferent uncle that visits every now and again, and then we all need to focus. You know, Angry uncle, indifferent, checking out for when you're going to make a mistake. Is that really God? Is that who he is? It's the same with any relationship. If your understanding of who someone is is incorrect, you're not going to connect as you should. So I want to help you this morning. We're going to shift some lies into truth. And it's going to lead to freedom, I believe. I, I truly believe that this could revolutionize your life if you embrace this. So my question to you, what are you building? I shared a few weeks about 2 Corinthians 3, or 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. It speaks about a fortress. The enemy builds a fortress. What are you building? A fortress or a temple? Now, a fortress is built to keep somebody out. It's built to keep someone out. You can't get in. I'm building my fortress. A temple is built to welcome somebody in, that somebody is God. So what are you building? Is it hard for you to connect with God in the week? Is it especially hard to connect with God when you feel your performance was lacking, when you didn't do enough? Are you, are you building a fortress that it's just hard to connect with God? Or are you building a temple that it's just so easy? It's just like it is so easy for you to connect with God. Anytime, any place, anywhere, you're in His presence and you're enjoying Him and you're loving it. What are you building? So I want to help you. Let's build, break down a few fortresses and let's build a temple. Come on, say it. I'm, I'm building a temple for God. Okay, because that's what the Word of God says. You, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Not a visitation, supposed to be a habitation. God is supposed to be there continuously. You know, so it, when it comes to a lie, a lie is like a thief. A lie is like a thief. If you embrace the lie, if you allow the thief in, he steals from you. And in this case, there are some lies that we are allowing into our lives, the way we perceive God, the way we perceive ourselves, the way we think that we can approach God. If that's incorrect, it's a thief that steals from us, 
steals your intimacy, steals the presence of God from you simply because you are believing incorrectly. Okay, so this is a powerful truth. What if the pathway into God's presence is based on right beliefs, not perfect performance? What if the pathway into God's presence is not perfect performance, but right beliefs? What if it's as simple as shifting my mindset, realizing who God is and all that he has done for me, and therefore I'm in his presence? But so many of us fall into this this trap of performance. I need to work. I need to work. I need to do. I need to do to earn his presence, to earn his favor. And that's the wrong way around. Because I have his favor, I'm going to do stuff. (laughs) Because I have favor and and his presence, I'm going to spend time with him. I'm not going to work for his favor. Okay, but I'm going to explain that to you in a moment. So what are you building? A fortress or a temple? What are you doing? Are you allowing the lie to, the lies to steal from you? Or are you embracing the truth that just, it is so easy to step into the presence of God? What is your perception of God? Is he that indifferent, angry uncle checking out when you're going to make your next mistake so he can whack you with a, something over the head? Are you, are, are you, are you, what are you feeling? So many battle with a sense of guilt and shame. I, I just don't feel good enough. I just don't feel that God is for me. And sometimes how this works is that I'm not sure if it's the enemy just talking to us or if it's our fleshly nature reminding us. But we tend to be, when, when, when the, the wrong mindset, when the flesh mindset, when the old man is talking, we tend to focus on all the things we've done wrong. Have you experienced that? Your thoughts tend to go where you've failed, where you've missed it, where you've sinned, where you've, you know, you focus on that. I mean, it happened to me, I was just shocked because I, I, it's like I get reminded of things I did wrong in the past. I, I was reminded last week, Saturday, when we had our life encounter, that morning, I was praying, I was up early and was praying, and suddenly I was reminded of something I did when I was like two or three years old. I'm like, what the heck? So sorry, all the cat lovers. I have to confess this. But I was reminded, I was like two to three years old, and we had little kittens just being born, and my parents weren't in the room, and I picked up one of the little kittens, and it bit me, and then I threw the little kitten down. And I don't think the, I don't think the kitten made it. I know, all the cat lovers, no, no. But what is that? Why am I reminded of what I did when I was three years old? But isn't that so the enemy wanting to remind you when you, what you did when you were a teenager, what you did 10 years ago or a year ago or last week or, you know, what's the difference if it's 40 years ago or if it's last week, but it tends to be either it's a fleshly mindset or it's the enemy bringing things to us to continuously remind us, you don't qualify. You are not good enough for God. And that leads to disconnect. 
So what guilt are you struggling with? What shame is coming to you? What is the enemy reminding you of over and over and over again? Because that old man mindset focuses on all we've done wrong. While the new mindset, the new man in Christ, focuses on all that Jesus has done for us. It is, it is continuously focusing on all that God has done for us. No confidence in self. All our confidence is in God. If you want to connect with God, if you want intimacy with God, if you want to be in His presence, you need to shift your mindset from what you have done wrong to what He has done right. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's break off the shame. Let's break off the guilt of the things you did wrong or thought you did wrong. So come on, when guilt comes or shame comes, what should be your response? Stop it. Come on, say stop it. You speak to the guilt. You speak to that thing. You say, ah, no, I'm not going to. That old me, that three-year-old, that, that, that old me is dead. When I came to Jesus, do you know what happened? It was a new me. I'm born again in the spirit. It's the new me. The word of God says that you are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I love that. All things. Come on, say all things. All things have become new. But you need to step into the new mindset, into the new man mindset and cast off the old. Because the old wants to pull you back to disconnect. But you and I, we dwell in the presence of God. Okay, so whatever you're struggling with, Whatever deficits, whatever negatives, whatever even the negatives that you are reminded of, you need to flip it. Flip it. Turn the negative into something positive by the help of God. Get God's perspective on it. And even when I'm reminded of my things in the past, I can start to declare, man, old me is dead, forgiven, washed away. It's the new me now. New creation. All things have become new. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so John 14, 23. This is our key verse. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. In other words, if we love God, if we want to be with God, if we want to connect, if you want to connect with God, how do you do it? Keep his word. Embrace his word. Hold on to truth. Hold on to what he is saying about you, not what the enemy is saying, not what you have done in the past. Hold on to his truth. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. It starts by embracing his word, and then, yes, it will flow into obedience to his word as well. And then he says, and my father, not indifferent uncle, and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. What a beautiful promise. Not indifferent, angry uncle will come and visit you. Loving father will come and stay with you. Come and be with you. And I and, mean, and God, the father, God, our heavenly father loves you no matter what. But you will feel his love. You will experience his love. You will know that intimacy when you embrace his word. He will keep my word. Keep his word. Hold on to his word. Take his word like a sword and you cut down the lies of the enemy that wants to 
cause you to be guilt-ridden and shame-filled and condemned and accused and disconnected. You say, no, 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 no. I cut that off in Jesus' name. I stop it. Stop those lies. Stop it. Come on, say it again. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. You need to stop those negatives from reigning. I'll come. We will come to him and make our home with him. Come, Guys, that's God's promise. That is God's invitation. He's saying, I want to be with you continuously, 24-7. I want you to be a habitation, not just, it shouldn't not just be a visitation. Man, I've been so psyched about this over the last few weeks, just meditating on this. I'm like, I'm so inspired. Yes. <laughs> yes. What if I could dwell, you and I could dwell in God's presence 24-7? Here's a profound thought. What if God is already here? I just need to turn my heart to him. I just need to become aware of him. What if God is already present in your life? I mean, he's all over you, his presence. All you need to do is to become aware. Ah, oh, God is here. I just need to turn my heart. I just need to be, become aware of him. And I believe that you, you, you do that by embracing the truth and renouncing the lies. So the pathway into God's presence is right beliefs, not perfect performance. God loves you. He wants to come make his home with you. And this is so beautiful. Your mind is like the river banks of a river. Your mind. Your mindset is like the riverbanks. If you have the right mindset, you create an environment where the presence of God, the life-giving waters of God can come and flow into you and through you. It's the right mindset. What if you and I are one mindset shift away from stepping into his presence? That's a good thought. Compared to, oh, I need to work for it. I need to earn it. I need to do all these things to earn his love and his favor and his goodness. No, you don't need to earn it. You can't earn it. And so the fourth principle is that strengthen it. How do you strengthen the truth? Make faith statements. Say it like I am leading you continuously. Say it. Embrace it. Take the word of God. Put it in your heart and mind and mouth and say it. Proclaim it over your life and believe it. You are one mindset shift away from stepping into the presence of God. Amen. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced it. Just, just when the lights come on, when you suddenly realize your situation isn't that bad, and you realize that God is with you and he is for you, and suddenly you sense his presence again. When hope is released, you're in his presence again. It is nothing outside. It's all inside. Shift the mindset. Step into his presence. God is your loving father, not an indifferent, angry uncle. Amen. No offense to all the uncles, but God is good. And so many of us battle with a sense of illegitimacy. And we battle with a sense of something we just feel God is not for me. Especially when something bad happens. And especially when we fail ourselves and suddenly we just... Just not sure. Maybe he is angry. Maybe he is upset. Maybe he's just checking me out for when I make my next mistake and then he's going to clap me. Maybe that bad thing happened in my life because I've, I didn't do enough. I didn't impress him enough. 
I didn't sacrifice to the gods so that they won't be angry. That's a lie. That's a lie, and we need to shift out of that if you want to dwell in his presence 24-7. Now, for me, the best example or context for this is a relationship between a dad and a son. So in my case, my relationship with my son, Vian, who's 11 years old, and I ideally love him. You know, and he's my son, not because of his performance. Now, all the parents in the house will understand, when that little one is born, you, you, you were not ready. You did not realize that you could love a little thingy that much. You, did, you didn't realize you had the capacity to love a child that much. It is just mind-blowing. You'll do anything for your little one. Now, in Vian's case, especially the first season, his performance lacked. <laughs> he did not clean the dishes. He did not sort out anything. He didn't make his bed. He didn't say thank you even for all we did. All that he did was keep us awake at night and uh, give us loads of challenges. But you see, our relationship is not based on his performance. Relationship is based on, he's my boy. It's my boy. I love him. I'll do anything for him. I am for my son. You see, and that's why I know Christianity is the true way to God, and it's real. Because God is creator, and he, he designed us. He designed us as fathers and children so that we would be reminded. So when we look at our relationships, we can see the image of our heavenly father. When we see the good in one another, when we see the good in a good dad, we get, we get a glimpse, even if it's just a shadow, we see a glimpse of the goodness of our heavenly father. He is a thousand times better than the best dad. He is good. Come on, say it. He is good. He really is. And he is for you. And your relationship with him is not based on your performance. It's based on his love. He loves you. And I see that in my relationship with Vian. And it doesn't matter. Now with Vian, I cheer him on. I am his greatest supporter. I believe in him. When he's struggling with stuff, I am there. I back him. doesn't matter how many times he fails. I keep on believing in him because he is my son. And this family, we overcome. <laughs> and how much more the heavenly family? You're a child of your heavenly father. You are royalty. You have the DNA of the living God on the inside of you. How can you possibly not overcome in life? Amen. But we need to shift the negative, shift the lies that always says you're not good enough and he's angry with you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Stop it. Stop allowing those negatives to steal from you. So look at this. Romans 8, verse 31. Our key scripture. What then shall we say to these things? All these challenges in our lives. What shall we say if God is for us? Who can be against us? 
If God is for us, who cares who's against us? Who cares what we're facing? If God Almighty is for us, we're going to overcome. We're going to win. We win in Him. Look at this. He says, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? I mean, come on. How can we doubt God's goodness? How could we doubt that God is for us if He gave us His best? He gave us His Son. He gave us His everything. How can He withhold anything else from us? He is that good. He has proven that He is for, he is for you. He is for you, and He's making everything available to you. How would you live differently if you believed that God is truly for you. How would you live differently? Would you have less shame, less guilt, less condemnation, more joy, more freedom? Like, yeah, I'm loved. I'm my daddy's favorite child. <laughs> what if you are, like in my case with my son, Vian is a, is, is a daddy's magnet. I am drawn to him. I can't help myself. I want to be with my boy. It's my boy. In the same way, God the Father is drawn to you. Your heavenly dad is drawn to you. You are a daddy's magnet. Come on, say it. I'm a daddy's magnet. You need to believe it. You need to believe it. You need to believe it when you fail. You need to believe it when your performance is lacking. You need to believe it when you stuff up and you mess and you fail and you stumble and you fall. You need to believe it. You know, and with my case, with Vian, my son, and I, I mean, everything in the house is his. I mean, he owns it. He just takes it. He, he controls the remote and of the TV. And if there's any gadgets in the house, it becomes his. And when he just walks through the kitchen and then opens the fridge and he just takes. Because it's his house. It's daddy's house. But some of us feel like orphans sometimes. No. Or everything that belongs to God is yours. Because you're a child of God. Come on, say it. I'm a child of God. It's all mine. Yeah, believe it. You can ask. Father, I thank you. God loves it when we ask. He loves. He wants to give. He is not stingy and he's not poor. He has resources unlimited. And he wants to bless you and give to you. So ask. But ask like a son, like a child of God. Boldly. And sometimes we fall for this lie. Especially those who haven't come to Jesus yet. You know, we're outside of the fold. How often I speak to people and I, and I pick up this lie that they believe. They say, I first need to sort out my life. Then I will come to church. That's like somebody saying, the moment I get healthy, I'm going to go to the hospital. The moment. The moment I get better, I'm going to go to the hospital. Now that stupid mindset will get you killed, okay? <laughs> now when you're sick, you go to the hospital. <laughs> when, when, when you're messed up, you run to church community and to God. But we tend to do the opposite, don't we? If I've, I've messed up too badly. I've, I've disappointed God. And oh, the people find out, oh, shocking. Do you really think there's anything that could shock God? There's something like he hasn't seen before? Nothing can surprise him, and he's ready to help you. So John 14, verse 26, speaks of this. He is your helper. 
It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. So God is coming alongside you and me. And instead of being angry about your wrestling, your battles, maybe you're battling your thought life, maybe you're battling with addictions, maybe you're battling with whatever it might be, pornography uh, or, or hatred or self-hatred or shame or a- ungodly anger or wh- whatever you're struggling with. And you, Can I help you? Can I help you with that? Can I support? Can I, I've got the answer to this. I've made provision for this. Can I help you? Because he wants to. He is your helper. So on Friday evening, we uh, had youth, Amplified Youth. We had a lovely evening. But before we started, Vian and a friend, they were playing some soccer. And, uh, and he wasn't focusing. So he ran uh, into a table. Right over here. I was standing like this. Two meters behind me, he ran into the table. And it was just blood. It was quite a scare. So I was just trying to calm him down. I was just holding my hands. My hands like filled up, like, like a hands, hands full of blood. They filled up, full of blood. <laughs> Calling to them to get some paper towels and things. I was, I, it was like hectic. And we know it. Wounds tend to bleed profusely. In the end, it was quite a deep cut. So it was hospital, four stitches, and everything. So it was quite an adventurous evening. But you know, for me, I, I, see, I, I could feel, your, you know, when it's your child, you feel the pain. Huh? <laughs> I was, uh, it's till late that evening, I was just like, still like, ah. You know, as a parent, you would rather take your child's place than have them go through it. And it was such a, a picture for me. But I was there. I was, I was, I was helping. I'm like, I am involved. <laughs> I'm not angry. He didn't refocus, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm just wanting to help. I'm just wanting to be there, sort this out. Whatever is wrong, we're going to fix it. We'll pay any price as parents to help solve this. A hospital, whatever price. I'll, I'll, I'll lend money if I have to, but we will, we'll sort it out because that's what parents do. You love your child so much, there's, not, there's no, no limit to what you would do for your child. And for me, that reveals our loving Heavenly Father. There's no limit to what He would do. Guys, He paid the price. <laughs> I, th- I think as I had the blood all over me, all my hands and it was for me such a picture of the blood of Jesus being on his hands. Willing to pay the price that we couldn't pay. Willing to take our place and die in our place to set us free. He paid the price for you. He took the blood on his hands. He had the nails through his hands and his feet. He, he stepped out and he said, man... This is, there's a crisis here. There is so much, the world is a mess. There's, there's so much sin. There's so much darkness. There's, there's a lot of messes. And I'm going to step in because I love my children. So I'm going to step in. I'm going to help my children. I'm going to step in. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to help you. I'm going to get messy. I'm going to get dirty. I'm coming out of, out of eternity and, and heaven. And it's just going to get messy. Why? Because I love my children. 
That's what God is saying. How can we be confused about how good He is? How can we get confused about how much He loves us? And that thing that you're struggling with, the doubts or the fears or the depression or the addiction or the ungodly thoughts or the whatever it might be, Jesus already paid the price in blood. In blood. And I, I felt this on Friday. I realized, well, if, if the love I have for my son is a fraction of the love that my heavenly father has for me, how can I ever feel guilty about anything again? How could I ever feel ashamed again? How could I ever feel like I'm not good enough? Because Jesus paid the price. Amen. Come on, say it. Jesus paid the price for me. Amen. Guilt is illegitimate. It has no place. All of heaven is drawn to Jesus in you. I love that statement. Jesus' performance was perfect. Our confidence is in him. The old man mindset is focused on my performance. The new man mindset is all focused on what he has done. Jesus, you've done it. You've paid the price for all my stuff. It's done, paid, finished, overpayment. So I can renounce every lie. I can renounce every, every scheme of the enemy. You see, now when it comes to this habitation versus, versus visitation um, truth, it is so easy. And, I, and in this house, we focused a lot on there is more. And there is. There's more of God. There's always more of God available. But the trap of that is that we can think that we need to work harder to receive more of him. And it can become a trap. It can be like, you know, in my, in my space, it's like, you know, I could pray for two hours and still feel it's, it's not good enough. I need to pray for five hours to earn his favor, to be good enough so that he's going to show up. No, that's a lie. I might pray for five hours just because I love him and I enjoy his presence, but I'm not going to pray for five hours because I want to earn or prove something. He's already given it to me. And maybe you are just like, yeah, 10 minutes is fine. <laughs> 10 minutes of prayer, that's fine. Whatever you're doing, none of that is to earn his love or his favor. It is simply a response to all that he's done already. So what if God is already present in your life? What if the more is one mindset shift away? What if it's not about working for, but merely responding to the invitation? Sure, I tell you, if you realize that God is with you right now, for you right now, He's wanting to flood in like you can sense and feel His presence right now, do you know what? You're going to turn Netflix off, and you're going to spend time with Him. Not to earn His favor, but just because... There's nothing better. There's nothing better than knowing Him. There's nothing better than being in His presence. There's nothing better than responding to that invitation, say, Daddy, thank you for all that you've done. I'm just coming and I am boldly coming. Despite my lack of performance, I'm boldly coming. Come on, say it, I'm coming. Amen. Come on, say it, I'm running to Jesus. Run to the Father. Proverbly speaking, can I see already this week people running around their house? I'm running to the Father. 
No, 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 no. Just turn your heart to him. Make time. Make time. Now, so in our men's group, I've been challenging the guys to spend some time with God every morning. Have a devotional time. Make time. Some of the guys have had, they haven't done any devotional time. So the last week, one of the guys did it three times. Actually, two times. Other time was on the work. On, to, on his way to work, he spent a bit of time with God. And so I asked the guys, okay, guys, why should you spend time? Why should you have a devotion in the morning? And then both the guys that we chatted to said that the days that they actually made time for God was amazing. Like the one guy said, Monday last week, he says it was incredible. On his way in the traffic, he would even for the taxis just say, hey, come in. Come in. Yes, yes, yes. Love you too. Yeah. Just freedom. Why? Because started the day in the presence of God. Now, what if you stay in the presence of God for the rest of that day? Starting in his presence and then staying in his presence. And that's what the guy said. The days they spent time with the Lord, it was amazing. The days they didn't was terrible. It was just chaos. So how about it? Respond to the invitation from the Lord and say, God, I want to spend time with you. I want to be with you. So one of the biggest things that kill us in our thought lives is the negatives. It's the negatives. Especially when you fail, when I fail, when we do something that's not great, we feel convicted, but worse, we feel condemned. Conviction is good because we can turn to the Lord. Condemnation disconnects guilt. Shame disconnects. So look at this powerful verse that reveals that God is a loving father and he is drawn to our negatives. Even like with Vian on Friday night, I mean, it was a mess and I was in there. I'm drawn to this mess because he's my boy. So look at this verse, Romans 5.20. It says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Moreover, the law entered. God gave the Ten Commandments and other laws so that everybody can realize, man, there's a lot of sin. There's a lot of messes. It is a mess. That the offense might abound, but then this beautiful statement, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Where sin abounded, where negatives, where it was a complete disaster, then God shows up even more. I love this. The worse the negatives get, the more of God shows up. The worse your stuff up, the worse your sin, the worse your shame, the worse your guilt, the worse your, your whatever you've done or whatever you have failed in or whatever has been done to you, the worse it gets, the greater invitation it is for God to show up. Man, I love that. I love that. You see, God's not intimidated by our stuff. He's paid for it. He's not intimidated by sin. He's paid for it. He's done it. He's not intimidated by your weakness or your failures. He's drawn to it. He's like, hey, can I help you with that? He gets excited about all the stuff you're wrestling with. He's not ashamed of you. He's not standing at a distance indifferent and angry with you. He's like, hey, my boy, my girl, can I help you? Can I help you out? He is for you. Are you seeing him? Come on, say it. God is for me. 
When I am my worst, He is for me. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. How would you live differently if you realize that God is for you? Do you know what? You're going to stay connected. You're not going to disconnect. You're not going to run the other way. You're just going to run to Him over and over again because your confidence is in Jesus, not in yourself. Maybe you say, no, but Andre, you don't understand. You don't know my life. It's a, it's a mess. <laughs> you have no idea what was done to me. You, have, you don't know how bad my childhood was or how terrible the abuse of marriage was or how badly I sinned or how long I persisted in my wickedness. I don't think this is redeemable. I don't think God could ever smile upon me. No, the truth is you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand the price that Jesus paid. The greater the deficit, the sin, the failure, the mess, the greater the grace, the healing, the redemption, the message becomes. The greater the mess, the greater the message is going to be. The greater the deficit, the more God is making available to you. Grace is going to flow into your areas of weakness and stuff-ups and sins because he loves you. Ah, just get this. <laughs> let the revelation, let the lights come on on the inside. And we realize, I am loved. He loves you. Final verse. Romans 8, verse 33. Is there anything that can separate us from the love of God? Huh? Is there anything? Love knows no limits. Verse 33, it says, Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? The response, no one. Come on, say no one. Is that good news or what? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? For his own, no one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. God cleans you up. God redeems you. God forgives you. God connects you with himself. It's all him. We can boast of nothing else. Verse 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. Come on, say no one. No one can condemn you. For Christ Jesus died for us. You see, he took our place. He died in your place. He dealt with all your stuff and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in a place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. God, Jesus is intervening. He's interceding when the accuser comes and he assaults you. Jesus steps up and says, back off. No one accuses my child. Back off. Come on, it's time for you to stand up and to agree with what Jesus is saying about your life. And you say, stop it, devil. Stop accusing me. Stop telling me I'm not good enough. Stop telling me I don't qualify. Stop telling me that I am not good enough for God. He's paid the price. Amen. Verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Love that. Doesn't mean he no longer loves us. 
If we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, you see what happens is something bad happens, something negative happens, and immediately we start allowing the accuser to accuse us. There's something wrong with you. Maybe God doesn't really love you. God is not with you. Otherwise, this bad thing wouldn't have happened. And I thought about that on Friday night. My son ran into that table. I was like, didn't I pray enough? (laughs) Was this the devil? And I realized, no, just stuff happens. (laughs) And God's going to use our mess, and it's going to become a message, even as I am using it as a message this morning. Never allow any bad thing in your life to go to waste. Use it against the enemy. Use it. It's a tool. It's a weapon in your hands. Never allow a negative to come past, and you don't turn it around into a weapon, and you give the enemy a hiding. Amen. Our God is that good. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Can anything ever separate you from God's love? Even your bad performance, even your sins, even your stuff ups. No. But you need to turn to Him. And you need to allow Him to restore your heart and your mind. You need to, to not allow shame and guilt to disconnect you. You need to say, man, I'm going to tell somebody about my stuff I'm wrestling with. Oh, this happened to me over the years as a, as a Christian. There's stuff maybe that I'm struggling with. And I'm like, man, I can't tell anybody about the wrestling in my mind. Or, and, and, and then the moment I tell somebody, you're like, huh, no shame, no guilt, freedom. Don't allow the enemy to accuse you and to disconnect you. In Jesus' name. Come on, say, my mess will become a message. What if God is with you right now? You just need to become aware of him. What if God is with you the next 24-7, seven days, 24-7, 365 days a year? What if he's with you every step of the way? You just need to turn your heart and become aware. What if you just need to renew your mind? Just change your mindset. And suddenly you are in his presence. I believe that's available to you right now. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm a habitation. I'm going to dwell in his presence. Amen. Awesome. Please stand with me. Worship team, join us here in the front. Okay, so how would you live differently? How would you live differently if you believe that God is for you? You'll definitely find yourself less in a hole of shame and guilt and negativity. What if it's not about your performance, but it's about His finished work? That's a good thought. Just receive. All that he has done for you. In Jesus' name. So an overview of the four steps. You can put the image on. Check it. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that he's a loving father? not an indifferent, angry uncle. 
Do you believe that He's with you always? Especially when it gets messy. Then He comes. He shows up to a greater measure. More grace. Are you allowing guilt and shame? condemnation to disconnect you I just felt the Lord Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said my my children are tormented with condemnation lies that disconnect come on let's get the disconnect out let's embrace the lie tell the guilt, the shame, stop it with sin, addictions, making messes, failures. Has it normally stolen your peace and your joy? What if you flip it and you get excited about all your stuff-ups? God's so going to show up here. He loves me. I'm his favorite child. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And then strengthen it. What if you, what if God is already here right now? He's so ready to flood in, to touch you, to set you free. He loves you. Stop doubting His love for you. Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, that you are good. Thank you for freedom here today, God. Thank you that when we know the truth, it sets us free. When the lights come on, the darkness flees. Thank you, Lord, that we can renounce every disconnect. Thank you, Lord, that this week your children are going to dwell in your presence 24-7. In Jesus' name, let the fullness of your glory flood into our hearts and minds. Let the kingdom of God come. God, help us to win this fight. Every day, every moment, we're going to win it because you're with us. God, we welcome the spirit of truth into our hearts and minds right now. Kingdom come. Kingdom come in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. for listening find more on shofar east london's podcast channel let's do life together